Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark, and again, I am joined with my co-host, Ben. How are you doing today, Theo? I'm going well, Ben. Thanks for coming along, as per usual, uh, from your busy, busy schedule as a bludging university student. student. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, look, so this episode, we're going to look at uh, a few different things. Primarily, I want to talk about the argument from imagination, which is a kind of a fallacy I, I coined a bit. Um, it certainly is closely related to some other fallacies, which we'll talk about but I'll, I'll try and give a bit of a post-hoc rationalisation for why I think it deserves its own special label. Um, it's also based uh, predominantly on a talk, uh, that this is kind of the second half of the talk that I um, gave at Brisbane Skeptic Camp, so really looking at the, uh, the, some of the arguments around the educational intervention, dare I call that, brain gym. Uh, so that's something we'll be looking at, but I'm going to begin uh, with a reading of argument from imagination from the book Humbug. Argument from imagination, other terms and or related concepts, appeal to ignorance, hidden premise, unfounded assumptions, Hume's razor, Occam's razor, wishful thinking, conspiracy thinking, magical thinking, intuition, simple-minded certitude. Description. The advocate forwards a hypothesis and assumes it is true without any evidence other than their imagination. They do not refer to any external or empirical evidence in support of their claim. They rely solely on intuition, making unequivocal statements about their hypothesis as if it is a fact, when in reality it is something based on an unfounded belief or their imaginings. Examples 1. Jan Jones is Deputy Principal at a large primary school. She's reviewing a colleague's Year 3 Mathematics Assessment, which asks students to photograph and classify three-dimensional objects. She says, I don't think the Year 3s would find this investigation interesting. I'd imagine they're more interested in doing something hands-on with concrete materials rather than this. 2. A recent government inquiry recommended that health funds stop covering homeopathy on the grounds it is pseudoscientific, has no plausibility or demonstrable efficacy beyond placebo. Johnson Royale, spokesperson for the Homeopathic Society, is attempting to defend homeopathy on a talk show. One of the hosts asked a surprisingly adroit question. How could homeopathy have any effect given there is no trace of the supposed active ingredient after it has been diluted hundreds or thousands of times? And then, how is it that the other natural trace elements in the water have no effect given the exact same thing happens to them? Johnson says, We're still not sure... The leading views are that water has a memory, which could be something to do with quantum theory or information theory, and water remembers the ingredient we want because we shake it ten times in a special way every time we dilute it. Comment. An argument from imagination can be thought of as the opposite of an appeal to ignorance, something that cannot be true because the advocate cannot imagine how it could be true. That is, an advocate states their position is true because they imagine it to be true. They will rarely phrase it this way, but if we consider the two examples above, neither cites any external evidence in support of their claims. They assert a belief and justify it with another belief. In the first example, Jan makes a seemingly plausible statement. It is reasonable to think in Year 3 students will be find hands-on activities more interesting. However, this does not mean they will find the proposed assessment uninteresting. More importantly, she does not have any evidence for her position other than what she imagines to be the case. She's in her mid-fifties, 
what she imagines eight-year-olds find interesting or uninteresting might not be as accurate as she thinks. Given this, it would be worth trialling the assessment to gather some empirical evidence rather than throwing it out based on her intuition. The second example, homeopathy, contradicts all the known laws of physics and chemistry. Any possible explanation about how a homeopathy works is stated as if one of them is actually true. Again, they provide no external evidence or coherent theory. We're expected to believe the supposed mechanisms imagined by the proponents. In this case, we would also be contradicting well-established physics and chemistry. The imaginings of how homeopathy supposedly works do not pass the test of coherence with the rest of science. Either what Johnson proposes is wrong, or if right, the laws of physics and chemistry need to be rewritten. In order to do this, we will need evidence on the level of Hume's razor. Other elements of homeopathy, such as the dilution process known as succession, enter the realm of magical thinking. Imagination is essential. Scientific discovery and technological progress all involve creativity and imagination. The cliched, robotic and unimaginative scientist would never discover anything. The issue arises when one is too simple-minded to recognise the difference between imaginings and scientific theory and evidence, or too lazy or incapable of doing the work to investigate and test what they imagine. A simple way to approach arguments from imagination is to point this out bluntly. If a proponent claims doing X will cause Y, respond by rephrasing, in your imagination, doing X will cause Y. Try not to be too mocking. Just point out that all you are asking for is some evidence beyond the proponent's own opinion. So that was uh, the section on an argument from imagination from the book. Um, so look, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that as we move through some of these clips I've got. So what I wanted to look at and what I talked about at the... Um, Brisbane Skeptic Camp was some issues around this this educational intervention called Brain Gym. So one of the things I talked about at, at the camp, and I think I've talked about it in, in previous podcasts, I won't belabor the point too much, but in order to have a succinct discussion about something, and this is just basic philo- philosophy, you've got to say, what are you saying and how do you know it's true? So before we talk about Brain Gym, let's have a listen to what they think they're saying. Invented in California, the Brain Gym technique claims to enhance mental performance. Please may we do my favourite now. Head teacher Sue Smith is a Brain Gym believer. It will certainly help me with my thinking today. She uses it throughout the school day. She's found it calms the pupils and believes it makes their minds more receptive to the lessons ahead. There's an exercise we do called Energy On, where you rub you know, uh, the cheek muscles, and you kind of like relax the tension in the, in, in the jaw and the cheek. If we release the tension in the jaw, that we're releasing problems with the, the temporal mandibular joint, and underneath the temporal mandibular joint, five of the cranial nerves kind of come out and they feed forward into the face, so they improve languaging, but they also feed down into the shoulders and the hips to improve balance. The Brain Gym Manual contains 26 exercises that are meant to realign the mind and body. Here are some of them. Pressing the brain buttons. These are located in the soft tissue under the clavicle to the left and right of the sternum. According to the manual, pressing them activates the brain for sending messages from the right brain hemisphere to the left and an increased flow of electromagnetic energy. It's to be used to help reading. 
The energy yawn is said to increase circulation to the brain and activates it for increased sensory perception. It's to help reading aloud and creative writing. And hookups connect the electrical circuits of the body and activates the brain for emotional centering. They say it helps students take tests and work at a keyboard. There's uh, quite a few amazing claims. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah you get the picture yeah. anyway. Yeah, so so look, so that was an outline of you know what the claims are made by Brain Gym. So in terms of how thinking about this, what you need to think about, you know, is it is it even plausible? So it, it's one of those ones where I suppose you hear some sciencey sounding words. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, like mandibular joints and so on electromagnetic stuff so if you know nothing you might think it's yeah they throw in the uh, terms of art in there and it convinces people they know what they're talking about that's right yeah and and again they talk about it certainly then but then again they're they're did you notice the the rhetorical sleight of hand they use where they don't actually mention the mechanism by which it by how it's supposed to work oh it's energy yeah Yeah, it's energy and there's blockages Mm, blockages but that doesn't actually explain anything it explains nothing yeah yeah Yeah, it's just it's 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 co-opting some scientific sounding terms that actually are meaningless when we talk about energy in physics, we will give you specific stuff. We're talking about work done, et cetera, et cetera, you know. So we'll talk about kinetic energy. We'll talk about lots of different things. Oh, heat. The number of joules, the number of, you know. Yeah. So it's a very specific thing. So anyway, look, neither of us are experts. So let's listen to an expert and whether they think it's plausible or not. Um, brain gym relies on a lot on massaging various points on the body and brain buttons are particularly, what shall we say, amusing. Um, I, think, I think what you have to do is, is press around here somewhere on the side underneath the clavicle while rubbing the navel with the other central part of the procedure. And this is apparently supposed to change blood flow into the brain and therefore improve the integration of activity in the brain. Well, you know, a bit like trying to regulate your central heating system by pressing on the wall of your house because the pipes are behind there. I mean, the notion that pressure here is going to alter blood flow to the brain is just so implausible. And then beyond that, the view that somehow minutely changing overall blood flow is going to alter the particular distribution of activity in the brain and therefore improve learning. It's just nonsense. So I'll put up all the actual clips from this story to link them in the show notes because they're all on YouTube and you need to watch them because it is hilarious to watch. It's also very sad. But in particular, that was actually quite a good analogy, that one, yeah, explaining, you know, the central heating system. But yeah, it, it, it is clearly not plausible. And when you're examining a claim, one of the first things you should say, is it even plausible? Like, but do we need to even go and investigate this any further? It doesn't even pass the plausibility test. Yeah. It really does need no more investigation because the claims they made are so implausible as don't waste time. So uh, what you're talking about here is Hume's razor, aren't you? So, yeah, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. Basically, there's the there's a, there's a hierarchical method that you run these things through, isn't there? Yeah. It, yeah. Well, if all those things were true, yeah. they would, like with the homeopathy example yeah. in the book, they it would, would it would mean that the, defy it, all the other things we understand. The, the science is a, a corpus of knowledge which is yep. is co- internally coherent, and it also has to be externally. Uh, in, in coherent with reality, I suppose. There has to be a correspondence. Yeah, it yeah, has, yeah, to, be, it has yeah. to be some kind of correspondence with reality as well. Yeah, and that's when you go to the empirical evidence. And so 
you might go and think, okay, so in terms of humans razor, maybe there is something to this and we need to reevaluate the laws of physics. If someone did a randomized controlled trial and found that if kids did do the energy yeah. or whatever, all of a sudden their reading just went bang out the roof and kids who did brain buttons didn't do any well on reading, but they did really well on maths. Yeah. You might go, oh, okay, it might be something. Here. But, but then that raises the, the, False correlation issue. Is it? Is it actually the brain buttons doing the yeah. work, or is it something else? But at least happening? then you yeah. go, okay, maybe there's yeah. something here. But you'd actually go need to. But again, it's yeah. so implausible. Why waste your time? Exactly. Well, there's just, a, literally an infinite number of things that could possibly be true. Yeah, that's right. And if if this thing is so implausible as to not bother, then you shouldn't bother. So that's certainly what I would say with um uh, brain gym is it doesn't pass a plausibility test. So we would give it provisional disbelief and maybe even um. You know, not even provisional. But what, did, what does Christopher Hitchens say? What, what can be asserted without proof can be dismissed without proof? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Christopher Hitchens. We'll assume that was yeah. uh, So, look, one of the things sometimes, especially when I talk to educators about some of these things, they will say, oh, what's the harm? You know, why bother with it? And so I'll just play another little clip from that interview about, well, anyway, I'll, I'll let the clip speak for, for itself. itself. Yeah. Brain Gym is a commercial trademark program. Many local education authorities pay to train their teachers and for instructors. Wrong. But if Brain Gym is helping children learn, then what's wrong with using it in schools? Well, Brain Gym gets the blood pumping into your brain. You think so? Yeah. Mmm, that's an interesting one. I like um, energy ones because it like helps to get your left and your right brain connected. And it helps you learn easier. You believe that, do you? Say you're doing a test, any kind of test, you just do a little bit of brain gym, such as, say you're stuck on a maths test, per se, you do a little bit of energy on, you find the answer just like... So... Ah, uh, children, don't believe anything that you tell them. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's, that's the harm, right? There is the harm, is you are teaching kids bullshit as if it's true. And that is a huge, huge problem because our job as educators is to, especially with young children who will believe adults, adults are in a position of authority, they will believe us, is while the exercises themselves are probably almost certainly harmless and, you know, mild exercise is good, and I've got no doubt that actually... Having a break, I mean, there's definitely research yeah. around that. Having a break's good and doing a bit of mild exercise in between study is actually a good thing. But it's the telling the kids that when you do this particular exercise, it does this particular thing to your brain. You're teaching them pseudoscientific nonsense. So that's where the harm is. Forget the fact that it's commercial and all that stuff because I have a problem with that too. But fundamentally is you're telling, you're giving them massive misconceptions about how their brains work. And that's a huge disservice to edge you know it's to me it's not child abuse but it's um a pretty poor practice as an educator yeah it's ethically dubious at the least isn't it well it, 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 you are an, as an educator you know so when you look at um praise and blame now they sincerely believe what they're doing but were they in a position to know that that was rubbish yes they have an obligation if you're going to have a, a some kind of intervention with what kids are doing yeah as an educator, you have an ob- obligation to make sure that what you're doing, to the best of your knowledge, is actually effective. And they haven't done any of the work. They've just picked up Brain Gym and gone, oh, this works. Off we go. Well, it's, I suppose there's an element of wishful thinking involved, isn't it? Because they want it easy. 
oh, an yeah. easy answer to a complex problem. Yeah, and look, uh, and education, as with any other field, there's huge amounts of wishful thinking and and single single um, cause solutions that people think. Well, if we do this, it'll fix all the problems. Yeah, magic if we have better textbooks in mathematics, that'll fix mathematics education. That's one that's going on in Australia right now. With some people have bought some textbooks from Singapore because you know that's they always do really well in Pisa and Tim's. Uh, oh, that'll fix all the problems. Then kids will do really well, and they'll use a better textbook. Yep. Yeah. I don't. Did you ever read a math textbook when you were in school, Theo? I know I had one. Well, let me let me <laughs> be very clear about this. When I was a teacher in a school, okay, I definitely yeah, yeah. read them. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, mean, I should have I should have specified when we were students. Yeah, uh, I did them when I was forced yeah. to, of course. And and. Yeah, what makes it good is having a good teacher. Yeah. It's as simple as that, you know. And and sorry, there's another simple solution for yeah. you, but it it makes a huge difference having a decent teacher, and and that's one of the ways to approach all that stuff. But look, so that that's the main harm with brain gym. Um, but look, perhaps we have been too harsh. Yes. Now I know yeah. listeners have already heard this clip because I played it in the previous episode as a sneak sneak peek for this one, but I really would love to hear it again. So let's think about all the claims that Brain Jim are making and what's his evidence. Let's go back to the founder of Brain Jim, Paul Dennison, and uh, his interview where he explains really clearly what Brain Jim is and really clearly the evidence for it as well. So let's... let's the rock-solid science. Yeah. yeah. Let's... What's it? Hang by his own petard? Is that the... Yeah, hoisted, hoisted. Hoisted by his, his own, own petard. petard yeah. of Shakespeare. Let's have a listen. You know, if we can talk to the... Uh, Brains behind uh, Brain Gym, Paul Dennison, who's in. Say in your, in your teacher's manual here, when you talk about hookups, that they connect the electrical circuits in the body. What exactly are these electrical circuits, please? Well, I, <coughs> it's my opinion that uh, we are electrical, that we do have circuits and connections. And uh, when we bring our energy to the midline, to the uh, central point, uh, we are breaking out of the uh, reflex to to go from one side to the other and bring things back to the center where we can be calm and relaxed. It is your focus, and this is you. You, uh, you say it is your opinion that we are yeah. electrical, Mr. Dennison. Uh, are yes. you medically qualified? Uh, no, I'm not medically qualified. I'm an educator, okay. but I. Study and read, and uh, the uh, there are studies to show that we do have electrical acupuncture and other procedures are based on the fact that there are electrical circuits in the body, and we are building on the shoulders of these people who have been doing this for thousands of years. Is the fact that you are not medically qualified explanation mm -hmm. enough for statements in this teacher's manual of the kind that Processed foods do not contain water, which you know is arrant nonsense. Yeah. So the, we're interested in helping children and these things work and we explain them the best. So that was the uh, founder of Brain Gym and um, yeah, I'm convinced. What about you? I don't know. I, I couldn't quite understand... 
what he was saying, Theo, because it was it seemed like he was trying to fit both of his feet in his mouth at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so obviously there's a few different things there. He's got a bit of gibberish in there where he just gets very confused and lost. Um, there's misuse of science yeah. information there, so he just starts quoting some different random yeah. scientific concepts that have nothing to do with anything he's talking about. Plus, in then some pseudoscience there's stuff a, with uh, acupuncture and so on. Yeah, there is an appeal to his authority. Yeah, well, there's uh, appeal to tradition. Is yeah, the tradition, there, sorry, so yeah, The acupuncture yeah. type yeah. stuff oh. saying, look, here's the, it's, you know, thousands of years of acupuncture, blah, 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 which has literally nothing to do with anything. Actually, it, it's not really, an, it's appeal to his lack of authority, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I can read stuff. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, yeah, but, but again, the main focus there I really want to draw it on is, again, why I think it's an important, um, not an important, but a, a useful way of phrasing is an um, argument from imagination because fundamentally he's just sat down and invented up some magical routines to do and now it's just can, can just added in all these ad hoc explanations. So it's, so in terms of a, another fallacy to use, I, the reason why I think this works, you could argue something like begging the question or something is a part of it, but begging the question is very strict in its technical form of what it looks like and so there's so many different things in there where he's just made up all these different reasons for why he thinks it's work and it's literally just some dude sitting down and imagining it yeah so what it's basically his argument from his intuition of how he thinks the universe is isn't it yeah yeah and again i think i tried to capture in the book which is okay we'll go away and do the rigorous work to show that it's actually true well it 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 demonstrates to me, the danger you fall into when you think you can um, understand the universe from your armchair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And 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 in this case, it's even worse than that because... He's bringing he other have, people into his... Well, no, sorry, it's certainly worse in terms of the outcome of it, but in terms of the, um, the uh, thinking he put behind it, he didn't even bother putting a laptop, well, maybe he wrote it a long time before that, didn't even bother doing any actual real research because if he'd done any real research, he'd know it was completely implausible. Well, I mean, if you're going to have a bullshit story, you have to have a good bullshit story. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he didn't even have a good bullshit story, well, did he? Well, except yeah. I suggest actually he does have a good enough one because he sold millions of well, books and kids around the world are doing it. He came. I thought he was quite incoherent the way he came across that. Yeah, yeah. but how many people buy true, a book yeah. have ever seen an interview? Yeah, that's and, true. You know, and, and let alone being scrutinised by someone like Jeremy Paxman. So really advise you to go and watch those clips because it is and and actually just google or just youtube brain gym because there's a bunch of people on there doing these brain gym exercises and if you ever want to see some middle-aged unattractive people doing some funny poses it's it's really good it's good don't do it when you're about after you've just eaten some lunch it's not not good either (laughs) (laughs) yeah look so um yeah i suppose when I came up with the argument from imagination, and this will all want to be really clear to people, there will be some other fallacies that will be brought in there. But the, the key for this one really is they have a bunch of disparate ideas that are put together um, and it is that intu- intuitive thinking. So that's the key difference, I think, I think, with this one. It is intuitive thinking or a hidden premise they have yeah. that is the basis of how, how they make a claim, where something like begging the question is really just re-paraphrasing or rephrasing the original argument. Um, there's certainly things like hidden premises and things like that in there as well. Um, there's simple-minded certitude and other other uh, arguments there. But if you start asking them those kind of um, Socratic questions, 
in terms of saying, well, are you saying this? Are you saying this? Well, why do you think that's true? It starts to unfold. And that's what I think Paxman is quite good at in his interview there was just going through and saying, well, do you believe, why do you think this? Why do you think that? Here's what you said in the book about, you know, they're not being water in yes. processed food for crying out loud. And that's how you can get them to say, oh, hang on a sec, you actually haven't made any other claim other than what your opinion is or what your intuition is. Oh, and while, while we're on this, Theo, red flag. Anyone who says anything about quantum anything in as a justification for pretty much anything... Unless, unless you're a quantum physicist. Unless you're a quantum physicist <laughs> talking about quantum physics... Quantum physics, yep. They're probably 99.99999% wrong. Well, and, and it goes back, <laughs> yeah. it goes back to that almost that like Christopher Hitchens yeah. thing, which yeah. is to say, pretty sure you don't know what you're talking about because you're not a quantum physicist. I'm not a quantum physicist, so I don't know what I'm talking about. So both of us are talking about something neither of us yeah, know anything about. Yeah, we're just about. speculating. Yeah. 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 So, so any, anytime, like, anytime, anytime anyone appeals to some kind of, uh, Cutting edge quantum mysticism. Quanticism, quantum mysticism, yep. and I'm looking at Deepak Chopra here. Yeah. <laughs> but any anytime anyone appeals appeals to anything to do with quantum, anything to buttress their argument, you know they're probably bullshitting you. Quantum flapperdoodle, I believe, yeah. is a technical term. Yeah. Someone coined <laughs> a few a few years back called flapperdoodle. Oh, quantum I, woo I, I, yeah, is another yeah. one I've heard. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Look. Um. So that uh, wraps up us looking at uh, some of those neuroscience things too, and myths around the brain. And this episode obviously focused purely on brain gym. And one of the main focuses, again, was the argument from imagination. If you've got any feedback on that, uh, any other ideas, it'd be great to hear from you. So send me an email to Theo J. Clark, uh, sorry, Theo.Clark at skepticsfieldguide.net or you can tweet me at on uh, Twitter. That's redundant. And uh, where can people find your book, Theo? That's the most important thing. You know, I don't even pay him anything, people, and he's really good at leading me into a plug. So feel free to grab a copy of Humbug, the Skeptics Field Guide from the website, skepticsfieldguide.net. Uh, and it's a really useful thing to have in your, uh, on your mobile device because you can just quickly look up something if you're in, in the middle of an argument with someone. Um, or at the very least, you can just hit them with your mobile device, I suppose. It's another option too. Or if you're sitting on public transport and you're bored, well, really, well, why would you be listening yeah, to this podcast if you're exactly. not reading along at the That's same right, time? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you're really not doing yourselves any favours. To get the full flavour of the experience, you really need to buy a uh, a copy of the second edition. Yeah. And you need to be reading the entry along with listening at the same to the, time. Yeah, at the and, same time. And listening yeah. for me to make mistakes yeah. too. And, and actually, the other thing, another little plug, I've just been reading a, a a similar book to Humbug um, by Todd Carroll of the Skeptics Dictionary. I can't remember the exact name of it, but I'll, uh, I'm probably going to do a review of it. So he does cover a lot of the same ground, but he gets into um, uh, things like uh, cognitive biases and things like that. And it's a really good book too. It's also um, $4. So if you have bought a copy of Humbug, go check out his book because I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, it's Todd Carroll from the Skeptics Dictionary. I'll uh, put a link to it uh, in the show notes. The only drawback I would say um, it has compared to uh, my book and my father's book, Jeff, is it doesn't have any great cartoons, which is another right. reason that to get humbug. Yep. Possibly the selling point for me, Theo, I think. <laughs> Not that we've known each other for over 20 years and I gave you a free copy. <laughs> okay, look, enough of us and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to Hunting Humbug 101. <laughs>